There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then there are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. How's your faith these days, Father? So big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome back. And if it's your first time, welcome. I'm glad you're joining us. I certainly hope that this, the second Sunday of the church year, finds you well. I'm running behind. It is almost the fourth Sunday, and I'm finally getting this down. Sue me. It's been a busy life. Um, but let's get right down to it. I'm catching up, so we're just going to fly right into it. And I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings by not playing a, like, I don't know. Anyway, hope your Christmas preparation is going well, and I hope you are preparing this Advent for the coming. So let's get into it. This week, the readings come from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Shall we hit it? We shall. Gosh darn it, we shall. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke of when he said, The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all in the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the water of the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is capable of the, from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Now go now, even the axe is lying at the root of the tree. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Jeez. With words like that. Wow. I guess it's pretty clear that it's not easy getting ready for Christmas. For one thing, there's so much to do. For many of us, this is the busiest time of the year. And it's also the most nerve-wracking, especially if you're a person who does not like shopping. You know, I read a statistic, which 
many guys listening can relate to, the Mall of America published a poll stating that 31% of men believe they have a better chance of winning the Heisman Trophy than finding the right holiday gift for their partner. And only 18% of women feel the same doom about shopping for their spouses. That means a third of the people listening right now who are men are under the real pressure. It is hard getting ready for Christmas. And that's why each year about this time we hear that voice of John the Baptist calling to us from the wilderness. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. John was the one that was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling out in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. John's emphasis is crucial as we prepare ourselves for Christmas. In that first century, the Jews took a bath called the mikvah to be ritually pure for worship. And John also called people to cleanse themselves, but not simply to prepare themselves for worship. He called for an inner change of heart and mind, repentance, to produce a pure and holy life. So let's start with this question. Are there some changes you need to make in your life? And be honest with yourself. There's some resentment that you need to let go of, maybe. Or how about a relationship you really need to look at close? John calls for us to look within, to search ourselves, and to deal with the problem areas in our lives before they get out of hand. There's this funny story about a fellow who had spent his whole life in the desert. One day, he came to visit a friend in town. And the man who lived in the desert had never seen or even seen a train or the tracks they rode on. And while standing in the middle of the railroad tracks one day, he hears this whistle, you know, but he doesn't know what it is. Predictably, he's hit, but it's only a glancing blow, still thrown head over heels to the side of the tracks, broken bones, internal injuries, and some bruises. And after some weeks of recovery in the hospital, he attended an evening party at his friend's house. And while in that kitchen, he suddenly heard the tea kettle whistling. Wouldn't you know it, he grabbed the baseball bat from the corner, and he beat that kettle into an unrecognizable lump of metal. His friend, hearing the commotion, rushed into the kitchen to see what had happened. And he asked the man from the desert, why did you ruin my perfectly good tea kettle? And the desert man replied, Dude, I'm telling you, you got to kill those things with a good and small. And that's kind of the way sin is in our lives, isn't it? That anger, that resentment, self-destructive habits. We got to deal with them while they're small before we become captive to them. So John the Baptist comes to us and says, repent. Look within, examine your life, see if there are changes you need to make. There's an evangelist, evangelist, sorry, I know how to speak, really. Anyway, this old evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, he used to tell a legend about a beautiful swan lighted one day on the banks of a river where a crane was waiting and looking about for snails. For a few moments, the crane viewed the swan in stupid wonder, then inquired, Where you come from? Well, I'm from heaven, replied the swan. Why, where's heaven? asked the crane. Heaven, 
said the swan. Heaven, have you never even heard of heaven? The beautiful bird described the grandeur of the eternal city. She told the streets of gold, the gates and walls made of precious stones, of the river of life, pure as crystal, on whose banks is the tree, whose leaves shall be for all healing of the nations. In eloquent terms, the swans sought to describe the hosts who live in the other world without arising the slightest interest on the part of the crane. And finally, the crane asked, So are there any snails there? Snails? replied the swan. No, of course not. Well, in that case, said the crane as he continued to search along the muddy banks of the pool, you can have your heaven. I want snails. Now this fable, according to Moody, has a deep truth underlying it. How many young people to whom God has granted the advantages of a good Christian home? I'm not talking about like an evangelical home or a non-denominational home where you're being subjugated to all sorts of different forms of indoctrination and being told that that way is the only way. That's, that's not really good Christian home. A home of acceptance and love. But they've turned their back on it to search for snails. How many a man will sacrifice his wife, his family, everything he has for snails? How many girls deliberately turn from the love of her parents or a home to learn too late that heaven has been given up for snails. How many parents have thrown their children away because of whom they have chosen to love for their own snails? All too late, you find out all you've been doing is looking for snails in the moment instead of that bright city where escargots on the menu. He spoke those words almost a century ago. But people are still swapping heaven for snails. So how about you? John the Baptist's words are for each of us. Are there changes that need to be made in your life? Are there people you need to reach out to? Repentance for the follower of Christ is more than just turning away from immoral acts. For followers of Jesus, repentance is always a turning to. To God, to one's family and friends, to your neighbors. Are there some people that you need to reach out to? That's the best time about this year, about this place where we are in society. We're motivated to reach out and demonstrate our love to others. There's an old Christmas story by Pearl S. Buck about this young man who helped his father on his family's farm. And farm work for anyone who's lived that life, farming, ranching, then you know this, but for all y'all city folk, Farm work starts real early in the morning. Rob and his father would start out in the barn, milking the cows every morning, 5 a.m. Rob liked working alongside his father, although he wasn't very fond of getting up so early. And one morning, he overheard his parents talking outside his bedroom. See, his father was hesitant to wake Rob for the morning's chores. He wanted more than anything to let his son get some sleep. 
He wished aloud he could do all the milking himself so as not to work Rob so much. And as Rob lay there listening to his parents, he realized how much his father really loved him. Now, his parents had always expressed their love and those simple everyday ways. They weren't very prone to verbalizing their feelings, though. But in this conversation, it was confirmed for Rob. His father loved him. And suddenly, there was nothing Rob wanted more than to show his father that he was loved, too. Now, Christmas was only a few days away, so Rob had very little time to think. He couldn't afford to buy his parents fancy presents. And he sure as hell wasn't capable of just getting into town to get that all done in time, either. But he did have an idea of something that would make his father happy. Rob would go out early and milk those cows before his father even woke up. So Christmas morning, Rob was awake at 4 a.m. He slipped out to the barn, milked all the cows, then returned to bed before his father could suspect anything. Rob's heart had been so full of love and joy in that, he never even felt like he was at work. Soon his father came to his room and woke him up for the morning milking. Then he went on ahead while Rob got ready. In a few minutes, Rob's father returned. He was alternately laughing and crying, so touched by his son's gift that he had no clue what to say. And as he wrapped his arms around his son, Rob's father promised that he would remember this gift every Christmas for as long as he lived. Now, 50 years to that day, Rob still wakes on Christmas morning and remembered the gift that he gave his father that made him so happy. A gift that came straight from his heart. This was a gift of thoughtfulness. You know, straight from his heart. It didn't cost a penny, but it was priceless. Is there someone this Christmas you need to reach out to? It may be someone from your work. Maybe it's from school. Maybe someone in your family. Or maybe your church. This is a beautiful time to make a new beginning. Are there some changes you need to make? Is there someone you need to reach out to? Finally, has Christ been born in your heart? I know it's kind of a corny thing for me to say, considering I'm always talking about this stuff in a more uh, esoteric manner and less uh, evangelical like that. But Advent's not simply a time of preparing for Christmas. It, at best, it's a time for preparing for Jesus, for Christ. It's not Christ's birthday. I hope you realize that by now. There's no way he was born in the middle of winter. It was just moved there because the feast of his birthday and everything that this season means of Christmas fits so perfectly with Yule, Saturnalia, and all the other winter festivals that Christianity was exposed to when it was born. 
It is not Christ's birthday that matters most. It's our birthday. The day that we are born into the kingdom of God as we open ourselves to the coming of the indwelling Christ. Have you allowed that to happen in your life? Have you consciously prayed, come into my heart, Jesus, be born in me today? Jeannie Williams clung fiercely to her last shreds of sanity and dignity among the chaotic mass of holiday shoppers milling about. Christmas was fast approaching, but the season's joys were alien to her. Her parents' impending divorce after 36 years of marriage mocked her all of her childhood memories of holiday celebrations, made rich with those family togetherness and all those family traditions. She was in no mood to confront the greedy, grasping, and empty materialism of the department stores. But sadly, her kids needed gifts too. So Jeannie walked around this particular store's aisles. She came upon a nativity set. It's a little character strewn across the floor. As she stood to pick it up, irritated, she heard a mother in the next aisle scolding her daughter. The child had picked something up off the floor and popped it in her mouth. And the little girl protested, the girl protested that she hadn't put the object in her mouth and said she was kissing it. It turned to be the little figurine of the baby Jesus. And probably the same figurine that went to the scattered nativity set that Janine or Jeannie was holding in her hands. And Jeannie crept around the aisle to take a look and the little girl and her mother were poor but that little girl's face shone as she held the Christ figurine up to her mom she was imploring her mother to buy it which only made the woman angrier and finally she yelled at the girl to put the figurine down Janine turned away not wanting to see the child get publicly scolded but it was a little too quiet when she turned back, she saw the mother on her knees enfolding her child in her arms, fighting back the tears. The little girl was trying to comfort her crying mother, assuring her that she didn't really want the little figurine. And the mother, trying hard not to cry, was trying to tell her daughter that she wanted more than anything to buy it for her, but they just could not afford it this year. Suddenly, the child's eyes lit up and she said, Mommy, I don't need the baby Jesus doll, really. My Sunday school teacher says I've got Jesus living in my heart. Jeannie sprinted to the front of the store as the mother and daughter left to pay for the nativity scene. Left to pay for the nat nativity scene. I should try to say that all one more time, so I will. Jeannie sprinted to the front of the store as the mother and daughter left to pay for that nativity scene. She asked the clerk to catch the mother and child on the way out and to give them that little Jesus doll. And if you were ever to visit the Williams household at Christmas time, you could see on their mantle that lovely little nativity scene that's missing the star attraction, pun is intended, that figurine of the baby Jesus will never be there. And you might think it's something that needs to be completed in some way. But if you ask Je Jeannie Williams, 
where that Jesus is, she will tell you so fast, he's in her heart. It's a pretty simple truth that it is the center message of this year's season. John's purpose was to prepare people's heart for the coming of the Messiah. He did it in the only way he knew how. Repent, he cried, for the kingdom of heaven is coming near. It's near for those willing to look within and examine their lives, for those willing to reach out with Christ's love to others, and for those who will open their hearts to the indwelling Christ. That's how you find the spit and polish you need to be truly prepared for Christmas. Amen. Well, you made it to the end, and I wanted to share some stuff with you that I learned today. Uh, it's pretty big. It's pretty awesome. Uh, first of all, uh, the year wrapped up, and I was—I uh, learned some things. I've produced more than 70% of other podca- podcasters in this category. That's religion and spirituality. 70%, 76% of other podcasters in this category have made less than I have. I think that's pretty awesome. The other thing, the thing that most flabbergasted me the most and the thing I'm so proud of is that my podcast, this thing that you're listening to, is in the top 30 most shared podcasts globally. And that's because of you. That is because of how much is shared from the, are you ready for this? This is going to shock you. As of right now, Oh, 595, it's gone up five uh, plays, by the way. 595 average listeners to my new podcast. Whenever a new podcast drops, I get at least 595 of you listening within the first week. You're my regulars, and you're listening, and you're sharing it, and making me in the top 30 most shared podcasts not just in religion it says podcasts globally I just I'm astounded and I've never felt so blessed and so happy and more I wouldn't say rewarded because that's not the word it is but I feel like I found my calling and that calling is made more aware to me by you and your want to share what you're listening to. So thank you. Thank you so much. So with that being said, I'll catch you in the next one. Take care of each other, you fuckers. I love you. Peace out. See you at Advent 3.